0: Chapter 49, First Chapter of Book Six of Adam Bede by George Eliot. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Tom Denham. At the Hall Farm. The first autumnal afternoon sunshine of 1801, more than eighteen months after that parting of Adam and Arthur in the Hermitage was on the yard at the hall-farm. And the bulldog was in one of his most excited moments, for it was that hour of the day when the cows were being driven into the yard for their afternoon milking. No wonder the patient beasts ran confusedly into the wrong places, for the alarming din of the bulldog was mingled with more distant sounds, which the timid feminine creatures, with pardonable superstition, imagined also to have some relation to their own movements with the tremendous crack of the wagoner's whip the roar of his voice and the booming thunder of the wagon as it left the rickyard empty of its golden load the milking of the cows was a sight mrs poyser loved and at this hour on mild days she was usually standing at the house door with her knitting in her hands in quiet contemplation, only heightened to a keener interest when the vicious yellow cow, who had once kicked over a pailful of precious milk, was about to undergo the preventive punishment of having her hinder legs strapped. Today, however, Mrs. Poyser gave but a divided attention to the arrival of the cows, for she was in eager discussion with Dinah, who was stitching Mr. Poyser's shirt-collars, and had borne patiently to have her thread broken three times by Totty pulling at her arm, with a sudden insistence that she should look at baby—that is, at a large wooden doll with no legs and a long skirt, whose bald head Totty, seated in her small chair at Dinah's side, was caressing and pressing to her fat cheek with much fervour. Totty is larger by more than two years' growth than when you first saw her, and she has on a black frock under her pinafore. Mrs. Poyser, too, has on a black gown, which seems to heighten the family likeness between her and Dinah. In other respects there is little outward change now discernible in our old friends, or in the pleasant house-place, bright with polished oak and pewter. "'I never saw the like to you, Dinah,' Mrs. Poyser was saying, "'when you've once took anything into your head, "'there's no more moving you than the rooted tree. "'You may say what you like, but I don't believe that's religion, "'for what's the sermon on the mount about, "'as you're so fond of reading to the boys, "'but doing what other folks'd have you do? "'But if it was anything unreasonable they wanted you to do, like—' taking your cloak off and giving it to em, or letting em slap you in the face, I dare say you'd be ready enough. It's only when one would have you to do what's plain common sense and good for yourself is your obstinate the other way.' "'Nay, dear aunt,' said Dinah, smiling slightly, as she went on with her work, "'I'm sure your wish ud be a reason for me to do anything that i didn't feel it was wrong to do wrong you drive me past bearing what is there wrong i should like to know is staying along with your own friends as are the happier for having you with em and are willing to provide for you even if your work didn't mourn or pay em for the bit of sparrow's vittle ye eat and the bit o rag ye put on and who is it i should like to know as you're bound to help and comfort to the world more no your own flesh and blood and me the only aunt you've got above ground and am brought to the brink of the grave welly every winter as comes and there's the child as sits beside you will break her little heart when you go and the grandfather not been dead a twelvemonth and your uncle will miss you so as never was lighting his pipe and waiting on him, and now I can trust you with the butter, and have had all the trouble of teaching you, and there's all the sewing to be done, and I must have a strange girl out at Treadleson to do it, and all because you must go back to that bare heap of stones, as the very crows fly over and won't stop at. "'Dear Aunt Rachel,' said Dinah, looking up in Mrs. Poyser's face. "'It's your kindness makes you say I'm useful to you. You don't really want me now, for Nancy and Molly are clever at their work, and you're in good health now, by the blessing of God, and my uncle is of a cheerful countenance again, and you have neighbours and friends, not a few. Some of them come to sit with my uncle almost daily.' "'Indeed you will not miss me, and at Snowfield there are brethren and sisters in great need, who have none of those comforts you have around you. I feel that I am called back to those amongst whom my lot was first cast. I feel drawn again, towards the hills where I used to be blessed in carrying the word of life to the sinful and desolate.' "'You feel "'Yes,' said mrs poyser returning from a parenthetic glance at the cows that's all as the reason i'm to sit down we, when you've a mind to do anything contrary what do you want to be preaching for more than you're preaching now don't you go off the lord knows where every sunday a preaching and praying and haven't you got Methodists in at Treadleson to go and look at if church folks' faces are too handsome to please you? And isn't there them in this parish as you've got under hand? And they're like enough to make friends with Old Harry again as soon as your back's turned. There's that Bessie Cranage; she'll be flaunting in new finery three weeks after you're gone. I'll be bound she'll no more go on in her new ways without you than a dog'll stand on its hind-legs when there's nobody looking but i suppose it doesn't matter so much about folks as souls in this country else you'd be for staying with your own aunt for she's none so good but what you might help her to be better there was a certain something in mrs poyser's voice just then which she did not wish to be noticed "'So she turned round hastily to look at the clock, and said, "'See there, it's tea-time, and if Martin's in the rickyard, he'll like a cup. "'Here, Totty, my chicken, let mother put your bonnet on, "'and then you go out into the rickyard and see your father's there, "'and tell him he mustn't go away again without coming to have a cup of tea. "'And tell your brothers to come in, too.' Totty trotted off in her flapping bonnet, while Mrs Poyser set out the bright oak table and reached down the teacups. You talk o them girls, Nancy and Molly, being clever o their work, she began again. It's fine talking. They're all the same, clever or stupid. One can't trust them out o one's sight a minute. They want somebody's eye on em constant, if they're to be kept to their work, and suppose I'm ill again this winter, as I was the winter before last. Who's to look after em, then, if you're gone? And there's that blessed child. Something sure to happen to her, they let her tumble into the fire, or get at the kettle with a boiling lard in't, or some mischief as a lame of her for life. "'And it'll be all your fault, Dinah.' "'Aunt,' said Dinah, "'I promise to come back to you in the winter if you're ill. "'Don't think I will ever stay away from you "'if you're in real want of me. "'But, indeed, it is needful for my own soul "'that I should go away from this life of ease and luxury, "'in which I have all things too richly to enjoy.' At least that i should go away for a short space no one can know but myself what are my inward needs and the besetments i am most in danger from your wish for me to stay is not a call of duty which i refuse to hearken to because it is against my own desires it is a temptation that i must resist lest the love of the creature should become like a mist in my soul shutting out the heavenly light it passes my cunning to know what you mean by ease and luxury said mrs poyser as she cut the bread and butter it's true there's good victual enough about you as nobody shall ever say i don't provide enough and to spare but if there's ever a bit o odds and ends as nobody else'd eat "'You're sure to pick it out. But look there. There's Adam Bede a-carrying the little an in. I wonder how it is. He's come so early.' Mrs. Poyser hastened to the door for the pleasure of looking at her darling in a new position, with love in her eyes, but reproof on her tongue oh for shame totty little girls of five-year-old should be ashamed to be carried why adam she'll break your arm such a big girl as that set her down for shame nay nay said adam i can lift her with my hand i've no need to take my arm to it totty looking as serenely unconscious of remark as a fat white puppy was set down at the door-place, and the mother enforced her reproof with a shower of kisses. "'You're surprised to see me at this hour of the day,' said Adam. "'Yes, but come in,' said Mrs. Poyser, making way for him. "'There's no bad news, I hope.' "'No, nothing bad,' Adam answered, as he went up to diner and put out his hand to her she had laid down her work and stood up, instinctively, as he approached her. A faint blush died away from her pale cheek, as she put her hand in his, and looked up at him timidly. "'It's an errand to you brought me, Dinah,' said Adam, apparently unconscious that he was holding her hand all the while. "'Mother's a bit—' ailing, and she set her heart on your coming to stay the night with her, if you'd be so kind. I told her I'd call and ask you as I came from the village. She overworks herself, and I can't persuade her to have a little girl to help her. I don't know what's to be done. Adam released Dinah's hand as he ceased speaking, and was expecting an answer, but before she had opened her lips, Mrs. Poyser said, "'Look there, now, I told you there was folks in o' oh, this parish without going further off. There's Mrs. Bede getting as old and casualty as can be, and she won't let anybody but you go anigh her hardly. The folks at Snowfield have learnt by this time to do better without you nor she can.' "'I'll put my bonnet on, and set off directly if you don't want anything done first, Aunt said Dinah, folding up her work. "'Yes, I do want something done. "'I want you to have your tea, child. "'It's all ready, and you'll have a cup, Adam, if you aren't in too big a hurry.' "'Yes, I'll have a cup, please, and then I'll walk with Dinah. "'I'm going straight home, for I've got a lot of timber valuations to write out.' "'Why, Adam, lad, are you here?' said Mr. Poyser, entering warm and coatless, with the two black-eyed boys behind him, still looking as much like him as two small elephants are like a large one. "'How is it we've got sight of you so long before foddering time?' "'I came on an errand for mother,' said Adam. "'She's got a touch of her old complaint.' "'and she wants Dinah to go and stay with her a bit.' "'Well, we'll spare her for your mother a little while,' said Mr. Poyser. "'But we want to spare her for anybody else, only her husband.' "'Husband?' said Marty, who was at the most prosaic and literal period of the boyish mind. "'Why, Dinah hasn't got a husband.' "'Spare her?' said Mrs. Poyser, placing a seed-cake on the table, and then seating herself to pour out the tea. "'But we must spare her, it seems, and not for a husband neither, but for her own megrims. "'Tommy, what are you doing with your little sister's doll? Making the child naughty when she'd be good if you'd let her. You shan't have a morsel of cake, if you behave so.' "'Tommy,' with true brotherly sympathy, was amusing himself by turning Dolly's skirt over her bald head, and exhibiting her truncated body to the general scorn, an indignity which cut Totty to the heart. "'What do you think Dinah's been a-telling me since dinner-time?' Mrs. Poyser continued, looking at her husband. E I'm a-poor-un at guessing,' said Mr. Poyser why she means to go back to snowfield again and work i the mill and starve herself as she used to do like a creature as has got no friends mr poyser did not readily find words to express his unpleasant astonishment he only looked from his wife to dinah who had now seated herself beside totty as a bulwark against brotherly playfulness and was busying himself with the children's tea. If he had been given to making general reflections, it would have occurred to him that there was certainly a change come over Dinah, for she never used to change colour, but as it was, he merely observed that her face was flushed at that moment. Mr. Poyser thought she looked the prettier for it. It was a flush no deeper than the petal of a monthly rose. Perhaps it came because her uncle was looking at her so fixedly. But there is no knowing, for just then Adam was saying, with quiet surprise, why, I hoped Dinah was settled among us for life. I thought she'd given up the notion of going back to her old country. "'Thought, yes,' said Mrs. Poyser, "'and so would anybody else have thought.' had got their right-end upwards? But I suppose you must be a Methodist to know what a Methodist'll do. It's ill-guessing what the bats are flying after.' "'Why, what have we done to you, Dinah, as you must go away from us?' said Mr. Poyser, still pausing over his teacup. "'It's like breaking your word, Welly, for your aunt never had no thought but you'd make this your home.' Nay, uncle, said Dinah, trying to be quite calm, when I first came, I said it was only for a time, as long as I could be of any comfort to my aunt. Well, and who said you'd ever left off being a comfort to me, said Mrs. Poyser, if you didn't mean to stay wi' me, you'd better never a come. Them as has never had a cushion don't miss it. "'Nay, nay,' said Mr. Poyser, who objected to exaggerated views. "'They mustn't say so. We should a been ill off wi'out her. Lady Day was a twelvemonth. "'We mun be thankful for that, whether she stays or no. But I canna think what she mun leave a good home for, to go back into a country where the land most o is not isn't a worth ten shillings an acre rent and profits.' "'Why, that's just the reason she wants to go, as far as she can give a reason,' said Mrs. Poyser. "'She says this country's too comfortable, and there's too much to eat, and folks aren't a miserable enough, and she's going next week. "'I can a turn her, say what I will. It's always the way with them meek-faced people. "'You may as well pelt a bag of feathers as talk to em.' but i say it isn't a religion to be so obstinate is it now adam adam saw that dinah was more disturbed than he had ever seen her by any matter relating to herself and anxious to relieve her if possible he said looking at her affectionately nay i can't find fault with anything dinah does i believe her thoughts are better than our guesses let em be what they may. I should have been thankful for her to stay among us, but if she thinks well to go, I wouldn't cross her, or make it hard to her by objecting. We owe her something different to that.' As it often happens, the words intended to relieve her were just too much for Dinah's susceptible feelings at this moment. The tears came into the grey eyes too fast to be hidden and she got up hurriedly meaning it to be understood that she was going to put on her bonnet mother what's dinah crying for said totty she isn't a naughty dell thee's gone a bit too fur said mr poyser we've no right to interfere with her doing as she likes and thee'dst be as angry as could be wi' me if I said a word against anything she did. Because you'd be very like finding fault without reason," said Missus Poyser, "But there's reason in what I say, else I shouldn't say it. It's easy talking for them as can't love her so well as her own aunt does, and me got so used to her i shall feel as uneasy as a new-sheared sheep when she's gone from me and to think of her leaving a parish where she's so looked on there's mr Irwine makes as much of her as if she was a lady for all her being a methodist and with that maggot o' preaching in her head god forgive me if i'm the wrong to call it so ay oh, said mr poyser looking jocose but thee dostna tell adam what he said to thee about it one day the missus was saying adam as the preaching was the only fault to be found wi dinah and mr irwine says but you mustn't find fault with her for that mrs poyser you forget she's got no husband to preach to i'll answer for it you give poyser many a good sermon the parson had thee there "'Mr. Poyser added, laughing unctuously. "'I told Bartle Massey on it, and he laughed too.' "'Yes, it's a small joke sets men laughing "'when they sit a-staring at one another with a pipe in their mouth,' "'said Mrs. Poyser. "'Give Bartle Massey his way, and he'll have all the sharpness to himself. "'If the chaff-cutter had the making of us, we should all be straw, I reckon.' Totty, my chicken, go upstairs to Cousin Dinah and see what she's doing, and give her a pretty kiss. This errand was devised for Totty as a means of checking certain threatening symptoms about the corners of the mouth for Tommy, no longer expectant of cake, was lifting up his eyelids with his forefingers and turning his eyeballs towards Totty in a way that she felt to be disagreeably personal. "'You're rare and busy now, eh, Adam?' said Mr. Poyser. "'Burgers getting so bad, we's asked me. "'It's well if he'll ever do much riding about again.' "'Yes, we've got a pretty bit of building on hand now,' said Adam. "'What were the repairs on this state and the new houses at Treadleson?' "'I'll bet a penny.' "'That new house Burge is building on his own bit of is for him and Mary to go to,' said Mr. Poyser. "'He'll be for laying by business soon, i warrant, and be wanting you to take it all, and pay him so much by the ear. "'We shall see you living on the hill before another twelve months over.' "'Well,' said Adam, "'I should like to have the business in my own hands.' "'It isn't as I mind much about getting any more money. "'We've enough and to spare now, with only our two selves and mother. "'But I should like to have my own way about things. "'I could try plans then, as I can't do now.' "'You get on pretty well with the new steward, I reckon,' said Mr. Poyser. "'Yes, yes, he's a sensible man enough, understands farming.' he's carrying on the draining, and all that capital. You must go some day towards the shire side and see what alterations they're making, but he's got no notion about buildings. You can so seldom get hold of a man as can turn his brains to mourn of one thing. It's just as if they wore blinkers like the horses, and could see nothing on one side of them. Now there's Mr. Irwine as got notions of building more than most architects, for, as for the architects, they set up to be fine fellows, but the most of don't know where to set a chimney so's it shan't be quarrelling with the door. My notion is, a practical builder that's got a bit of taste makes the best architect for common things, and I've ten times the pleasure of seeing after the work when I've made the plan myself.' Mr. Poyser listened with an admiring interest to Adam's discourse on building. But perhaps it suggested to him that the building of his cornrick had been proceeding a little too long without the control of the master's eye, for when Adam had done speaking, he got up and said, "Well, lad, I'll bid you good bye now, for I'm off to the rickyard again." Adam rose too, for he saw Dinah entering with her bonnet on, and a little basket in her hand, preceded by Totty. "'You're ready, I see, Dinah,' Adam said. "'So we'll set off, for the sooner I'm at home, the better.' "'Mother,' said Totty, with her treble pipe, "'Dinah was saying her prayers and crying ever so.' "'Hush, hush!' said the mother. Little girls mustn't chatter.' Whereupon the father, shaking with silent laughter, set Totty on the white deal table, and desired her to kiss him. Mr. and Mrs. Poyser, you perceive, had no correct principles of education. "'Come back to-morrow if Mrs. B. doesn't want you diner,' said Mrs. Poyser. "'But you can stay, you know, if she's ill.' So, when the good-byes had been said, Dinah and Adam left the Hall Farm together. End of chapter 49 Recording by Tom Denham